This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for How to Super Age with Elise Marie Collins. And Elise, I have to give you a little bit of information because we talked about um, your book on super aging that I saw it in my doctor's office about a year ago. And so I ran into one of his nurses and I asked her, I said, how did he get the book? And she said, funny, you should ask. One of his patients has been calling him a superager. And she said, so for his birthday, we all went out online and looked up the word superager and we all got him something with the name in. So I told her that you do a podcast with me and that is your book. And she goes, well, I think we need to start reading it, which I thought was really funny. I said, well, I wanted to know how we got it. And one of these days we have to have them on as a guest. So, hey, you know, all our all our listeners have to do is, you know, Google a word and uh, they can come up with your books, especially the Chakra Tonics book. Yes, I love that story. In fact, the funny thing is I told that story on our Mango because I'm published by Mango and our guest today is also a Mango author. Uh, I told that story on our Christmas gathering, our Zoom gathering uh, that you had your your doctor, your your hosting my podcast. And then the doctor was like, you should read this book. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> Because we had it, we called it like, I think dandelion stories where it's like, you know, you blow the dandelion and it, you never know yep. where it will cast into the wind. I'm looking around. I don't know if I have super ager in front of me, but I do have um, my chakra tonics book, which I always get confused holding it up in the camera. There we go. There, there you go. So if you are listening, I'm holding up the book chakra tonics, essential elixirs for the mind, body, and spirit. That's another one of my books, both of them including superager they keep you healthy and wealthy and not just i'm not talking monetary wealth because all of the tips are pretty much low cost you know i'd say everything is free or under twenty dollars and you can keep yourself healthy with so many tips and tools and they're included in my books. And I'm bringing this up because our guest today has so many tips and tools about staying healthy and wealthy in that way where your mind is sharp, you're, um, you're feeling connected to your body. Now we all have off days, but the more we can attune, get that consistency in our lives, we're going to live better. We're going to age better. So that's why I'm really enthusiastic about our guest today. And I'm also excited because she's a buddy of mine, and she's another mango off author. Uh, we're published by the same um, publisher, and she is a very dynamic and wonderful human. I'm going to read her uh, official short bio. Uh, our guest today, in case you're just tuning in on how to super age, is Nita Sweeney, and she's an award-winning wellness author of several books. Um, Depression hates a moving target. You should be writing and make every move a meditation. She's an ultra marathoner, meditator, writing practice zealot, and mental health 
advocate. She's also a dog mom. So before everybody got on, my dog is settled in her chair. She's a chihuahua, but I was holding her up to the camera, which she doesn't always like. So I may do it later, but um, for now she's just know there's a little cute chihuahua overseeing our, our uh, recording of the podcast. And she's also the publisher of Right Now Columbus. So she's got her hands in many pots. And I think we'll, we'll not only glean wellness tips and tips about how to live well, but how do you stay so active? I mean, at any age, it's, it's like, that's, you're doing a lot, Nita. Anything else to add to your bio or how do you do it all? Oh my goodness. Uh, batching, you know, time blocks. I, my latest trick is I have another book I'm working on, which that's kind of another thing, but, um, I wasn't getting to it as regularly as I wanted to. And so first thing, before I check email, get on social media, do anything else, um, the night before I leave that book open on my computer so that when I turn it on the next morning, that's the first thing I see. And I just spend, even if it's five minutes, just staring at the page because it's a, I'm in the editing process now. Um, so yeah, I blocks of time. There have been... Um, times when I go like to a hotel or retreat or something to get a book done. But with the running, I have um, a structure. And I think the whole thing is really structure. That's that's part of the key for me. Um, I'm very adaptive. I'm very high in adaptability. So I like to wing things. So I have to have a little structure so that I don't just wing myself out of doing anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, having a goal for me, it's usually a goal race. And so having the training plan that sort of pulls me that that race pulls me toward the goal and uh, having a deadline with a writing project really helps. So that pulls me and it has to be external. I am not internally motivated, have no shame about it. I need to set an external deadline. I'm always asking our editor, Brenda, if she requests something and when do you need that? And when do you need that? Because she knows if she'll never get it, if she doesn't give me a deadline, but I got that deadline, I'm locked in. Boom. Um, so yeah. And then I take a lot of uh, time off in between so that I have the rest because I just think sleep and rest and time away from screens is so important. That's part of why I think that's part of why I like uh, running outdoors is because I don't, I might have my phone with me for safety, but I don't listen to music. It's just me in the woods and maybe, maybe some friends, uh, often the dog. I have a yellow Labrador who's in another room because she's not always very quiet. So yeah, it's a great question that uh, structures my support system. I love that. And that is so important, especially um, because many of us, you know, one, one important thing about any um, purpose and contribution is so important at any age across what we call the life course in gerontology and your tips. That was a great one. I'm definitely going to do that because there's so many things that, <clears throat> especially if they're something that we're, we have a yearning to do. We'll just call it a yearning, such as write a book, such as, you know, it could be something we're just planning out on our computer. And yeah, every day gets busy. Every day, there's always, you know, the dog to feed, the dog to walk, the, <laughs> the parents to take care of, or the, you know, many of us are caretakers, um, this and that and this and that. And then by the by the time we get started on our passion project, it's like, nine or 10 at night, we're exhausted. And we're like, oh, maybe tomorrow. So I, that was really, woo, <laughs> the value of the podcast right there. I love it. Um, how, how did you start running? I mean, when did you begin and how, how, tell us about that journey. 
that was an accident. <laughs> um, I um, yeah, so I had I've had chronic depression my entire life, um, and I've gone with in cycles with it. But in um, twenty see two thousand seven, I had seven people and a cat that I loved all died, including my twenty four year old niece, my father in law, and then finally in December, my mother. And I was um, I was in grad school, so that sort of carried me for a little while. But once that ended, I just spiraled. And I was sitting on the sofa one day, probably eating bonbons. I'm not really sure. But uh, I saw this social media post of a high school friend that said, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I had not ever thought of the word run and fun like that they were in the same universe at all. So I watched her and she was doing an interval training plan. And eventually I live in Central Ohio where it gets very cold in the winter and snowy. And uh, when spring came around and the crocuses started to come up through the snow and the snowbells, little flowers, I got more curious, more brave. And I saw that her training plan said 60 seconds of jogging. Now, it said other things, but that stuck with me. It seemed manageable, doable. Um, so I leashed up the dog, took him down to this hidden ravine where the houses are set like way back up because it's a floodplain, and jogged for 60 seconds. I had a kitchen timer, one of those little digital kitchen timers. I mean, it was probably pink, pink sweatpants, I mean, Velcro shoes. I mean, I had no, no gear, um, but I just had to do something because I was on medication. I was seeing therapists. I had a strong meditation practice, which I think was still very helpful, but movement was the missing component. I know now those happy brain chemicals you get from that. And, you know, things didn't change overnight, but over the course of a number of years, it became something that I just loved to do. And I found again, a structure with a group, with a goal. Um, and I would say, if you hang around with people, um, it actually, phrases if you hang around in a barbershop eventually you're going to get a haircut and I hang around with people who are in their 60s and 70s who run ridiculously long distances for fun and so they make it seem possible because they do it so that's how it started and that's kind of how it got uh, got to where it is you did mention um I can't remember the exact word you used but the thing that got me out of the ravine because I swear I'd still be down that ravine just running in private you know um, was a charity race because my sister asked me if I wanted to do this 5k that raised money for cancer research for the type of uh, cancer my niece had died from and at first I was like no 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 private runner no 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 you know and then I got over myself um, and uh, and that opened up a world that I did not know existed a world of runners of all shapes all sizes all ages um, you know, races, you name it, uh, whole, the whole uh, kit and caboodle. And, um, and I love that energy. And uh, so, yeah, I just keep signing up for another race and that pulls me toward that goal. And um, yeah, so that's how it began. I think that's probably, I, I tend to give long answers to short questions. So yeah, <laughs> it's all in the first book too, by the way. Yeah. I read a book oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Depression hates a moving target. Cause that's been my reality is that movement has helped me get off um I'm still on I'm still on one med but I was on six meds for my mental health um 
I, you know, I still see a therapist. I um, you know, have a psychiatrist, all that, but I couldn't, I had books I wanted to write. And now I have, you know, this hole you can see back there. Um, couldn't, couldn't finish a book or couldn't do the, like, didn't have the stamina to get those projects done. Um, didn't have the um, emotional uh, stability to deal with publishing people, to do that whole thing that you have to do. Just didn't have any of that. So um, yeah, I suggest movement. That's possibly the missing piece for a lot of people. I love that. And I love the internal movement and the external movement, um, the journey there. It was, it was very um, provocative, you know, going from the ravine, you're a great storyteller. <laughs> so I know you're a good writer and I love your writing. Uh, you know, hi, you didn't say you were hiding, but I get the, oh, absolutely. I get the picture. Oh, yeah. And the best part is nobody was home. I mean, I live in a suburban neighborhood where everybody used to go to their jobs. This was, you know, back in the early uh, 2010. So I was mostly hiding from my own fear, but I was, you know, yeah. Hiding is exactly it. You nailed that. Yeah. I love it. And then, oh yeah. Did you want to say something, Karen? Well, I think a lot of us, you know, can relate to what you're saying, Nita, that, you know, we know that we need to get up and do something, but we don't think that either we're capable of doing it. Or like you said, who thinks of walking and running as something to be fun? You know, we run because uh, of fear and we walk because you know, we have to get from our car to the store. But other than that, we think that's a lot of work. But until we do it, and like you said, you had, you finally found that goal, but you also find found camaraderie. And I think that is the most important thing. Yeah, I think everybody has to find their thing. So the thing that actually got me out of the ravine was a heart thing. It was a charity cause that I could feel in my heart. But what kept me going was eventually joining a group. And, um, you know, we, I was they always tease me. It's like, yeah, Anita's only interested in breakfast, which is possibly true because we go to breakfast after breakfast. But I found that, like you said, that camaraderie, that community, um, I sort of found it at the race, but then I found um, a specific group later. And then for some people, it's the actual goal. They need that kind of shiny gold star thing or the numbers they need the statistics and so the thing i say is is find what the thing is what your thing is because we're, we're all so different each of us you know everybody is has their own kind of thing and maybe running and walking isn't your thing maybe you need a team sport or maybe you need something very competitive or maybe you need something even uh, more internal although yoga has external also but it's you know it's it's kind of a deeper thing so and maybe you need the really slow yoga or the, you know, there's the yin and yang of yoga. So it, um, uh, there's just so many options. And I think we, especially with, for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself because I do have mental health challenges that I still, you know, deal with every day. My mind is always going to the negative, even with, even as well as I am now, as much better as I feel. And so there's always that other part of me, that more adult rational part that has to go now, wait a minute, let's question that idea. Let's ask uh, some questions. And um, yeah, because I think you're exactly right, Karen, is we just think, oh, what fun, where is the fun in this? Well, exactly. Yeah, we have to find it. So 
Yeah. And I love the way you say that your thing, find your thing, find that thing. Uh, that is a great, um, we might be taking that from you. I'll give you credit, but <laughs> for super aging, what is that thing? Because mm -hmm. we all need that thing. Uh, we can have our health, but if we don't have that thing, we don't have that reason, that purpose, that contribution that we're giving to the world, uh, then, you know, it really does affect our health. It does affect, and not, I'm saying health broadly, mentally, physically, and they all go together as, as I know, you know, um, and which kind of brings me maybe to let's, let's touch on meditation because that's another one of the, uh, things you talk about in your writing and that has been so powerful you for you in your life. How did you get into meditation and, and, and how has it helped you? Oh, and you know, I know you've been doing it for a while. I'm not sure how long, but tell us about how your meditation practice has supported you and all the things you do. Oh, that's, those are great questions. We could be here all day, but I'll answer the first question first, because it's my favorite line. My most recent book is called Make Every Move Meditation, Make Every Move a Meditation. Um, and my favorite line in the book is, there was this guy, um, because I was dating a man, and we were early in our relationship, and he said, you want to sit? And I said, you want to what? Because <laughs> I, you know, I'd heard about meditation, but I hadn't, I just didn't really have any experience with it. And he'd been meditating probably for four or five years then. And uh, so that guy's now my husband. We've been married 29 years and have been meditating together for over 30 years. He's probably been at it, you know, 35 now. And I'm a certified meditation teacher. And so he just told me my first instruction was essentially try not to fidget. He set the microwave timer for five minutes and he said, you know, try to focus on your breath if you can, but mostly just try not to fidget. And that's actually really good advice. Just, you know, and I fidgeted and it was hard. And, um, and at first I didn't, I wasn't sold at first, but then I had some other issues. That's all in book two um, that meditation really helped with after uh, those things arose. And I saw that there were benefits beyond um beyond just calm and concentration. I mean, physical, actual physical benefits to it. So that's how I got started. And eventually I did fall in love with it. And you know, I, um, we, uh, we actually brought in teachers for a number of years. Uh, we brought in like Guna, Bhante Gunaratana, who's the mm -hmm. Buddhist monk. We brought in a number of insight teachers and spirit rock teachers would come to Columbus. And, and, uh, and then we moved away for a while. And then when we came back, um, it was just, it wasn't the time. You can't step in the same river twice kind of thing. So it wasn't the thing for us to do. I was really focused on my writing. And so, uh, so yeah, but let's talk about the benefits. So I, um, I really believe that the meditation helped me so much with um, um, probably calm and clarity because I, I was, I had mental health issues and I was taking medication and going to therapy, but I'm not sure those things would have helped as much as they did if I hadn't also been meditating. So again, it wasn't a, it wasn't a total fix. I was, I feel like I need all three. I need the, the writing for my mind. I need the meditation for, you know, kind of spirit or um, just that, I don't know. It's not, it's not like woo-woo spirit, like out there, but, but my spirit and then the movement for, um, energy and vitality and stuff. And that was the big missing piece. So I had the meditation, but once I started the movement, when I started running, 
when I realized I could combine them where I could meditate while I was running, which um, I explained in that book, because a lot of people go, huh, how could you do that? Um, that's when things really started to click. So I had kind of the whole package there. And it just the the ability to focus, the ability to be uncomfortable and not react immediately. Um, the, I don't know, just this sort of sense of, I want to say we're all connected, but it's more of a just sense of being part of something, even when you're not in a community, just being connected to everything that there is. And uh, so there's just sort of this greater thing. And then then one of the biggest things, which I think I can talk about here, which I don't I don't always talk about because people don't really get it, is the the insight part of it is that as a human being, I'm actually much more wave than particle. So this sense that I'm this fixed being, and yes, I have a sense of self, and yes, I have an identity, but that it's changing and flowing, and then I can let that happen, and that I behave better when I do, let's just say. <laughs> so that's a, that's a big part of it, too. And then I also talk about the way um, my meditation teacher talks about emotions, and that's been really helpful, sensing that they're not these solid, again, the more wave than particle, not these solid, hard things that we have to deal with, but that they flow and that there's, you know, body sensations and thoughts and stories we make up. And, um, and just, so I can't, I feel like I'm not being very specific, but it's just, that's like such a huge question. It's everything. It's very much the same things with the movement, the same physical, emotional, uh, psychological benefits. And, you uh, know, I'm really glad yeah. that you talked about the fact that you can meditate when you run, because a couple of years ago, I was walking every single day and I should get back into it. But I use the excuse it's cold or it's icy, you know, for my reason not to walk. But I found that's what I was doing when I was walking. I was meditating. I could. I could feel the air. I could hear birds that if I had tried to listen, I wouldn't have heard them. But I was in such a, you know, a calm place as I was walking. But when I first started walking, I was more aware of who sees me walking. Am, am I walking right? Am I walking? I mean, there is no right or wrong, but that's how I felt until all of a sudden it just came to me that, you know, just feel what you're going through. And I felt mentally healthier then. And so I sometimes, you know, ask myself, like, why aren't you back out there doing it? And it's like, I have to kick myself and start up all over again. Well, or you need a goal, maybe, I don't know, or a friend. Um, you know, it's, a, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the kicking myself. Sorry, okay. I'm not. <laughs> just because I think it doesn't work. Or it might work for a little while. But we have to find that joy. So I'm I'm really glad you said that though, because like the the listening, oh my gosh, where even in the middle of the winter, there's the there'll be like the snapping of twigs or the there's like a crunch sound that happens. Um, you know, you're in Cleveland, I'm in Columbus, and so we both have a similar winter situation. Sure. And um, and then in the spring when the birds come out, oh my gosh. Um, and then I use scent too. Because it's the um, woods, I usually walk or run in a woods, 
And that smells very different in the winter than it does in the spring, than it does in the summer. And so that um, not grabbing for those things, but just like you said, yeah, things that you wouldn't even notice, um, but you choose to be open to them. And that's meditation, that awareness, that's the practice. So thank you for, for sharing that. That's well, great. Thank you. And I encourage you, I think you'll find, yeah, I think you'll find something. You'll find a way to get back out there. You just Absolutely. have to, you have to find, you got to find your thing. We talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I love all those layers of um, observing, you know, the urge and then what I noticed too, because it's something I'm trying to eliminate is I should have to need to must. And do I really need to, do I really have to, must I, should I um, me or change it to want to, if it's true, <laughs> you know, do I want to, <laughs> because yeah, my mind will always say you should do this. And yeah. And like uh, Nita pointed out, where's the joy? <laughs> it doesn't sound joyful. And then I really don't want to, if I'm telling myself I should. Yeah. So, so many great tips. Um, another thing I'll just add, cause I, I keep, it keeps popping in my mind, but neurogenesis is so important um, at any stage of life, but creating those new neurons and all those activities you're talking about, meditation, movement, uh, running, they all help us to build more brain cells, which helps us keep resilient and keep our mind sharp. And another topic we could talk on for, talk about for an hour or more, but um, I wanted to ask you uh, a couple more things like, um, what I know you said there are three, like, how do you, oh, I do have a, wait, I want to ask you this question. I almost forgot about it, but like, what do you do when there's something in the moment? Like somebody says something, cause there was something you said in, uh, like somebody says something and it's upsetting because uh, this happened to me yesterday. Somebody said something upsetting to me or they were coming talking to me and I was just getting upset and, I maybe I'm in the middle of my work day. I don't have, I, I could move my arms. I can do a few yoga moves, but I got to keep going in my day. I don't have time to do a formal sitting. What do you do in those moments when you want to kind of get back on track in your day, but you don't have time for a full up practice? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, you can start your day over at any point. And so if that for you, that means a cup of tea, it means a cup of coffee, a tiny ritual. Um, but mostly, the practice helps, you know, practicing when there's no stakes. So practicing in the grocery line <clears throat> when you're irritated because you're in the 15 item line and somebody's got 16 items. So being able to be with that, and that's not as triggering as someone saying something unkind or um, critical, but it's the same. It, there's a similar flavor to the discomfort because the body sensations kind of come in three flavors. They're pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And so practicing when there's no stakes is what helps me eventually deal with that. But the thing in the moment is, is to pause, is to be able to just, you know, maybe drop my attention if I'm standing into my feet, if I'm sitting into my butt or my back against the chair, um, just dropping my attention into this moment, noticing the sensations. Because usually when something like that, that's an input. And when there's an input, then there's a reaction. And it's maybe not an action, but there's a physiological thing where there's sensations in your body someplace. Sometimes that might be a tightening in the throat. Um, it might be, I know you talk chakras, but but uh, it might be in the throat. It might be 
of the crown. It might be, um, you know, in your, I don't know what the chakra is, but that's in your belly, like right by your belly button. I get that a lot. Some people get a tight chest. Just noticing those and not making them go away, but just letting them be and sensing the fact that you are currently enduring them, that you don't actually have to make them go away. And in fact, part of that wave versus particle thing, they will arise, do their little dance and pass on their own. Because what often happens is when we have interactions with people is there's no pause between our um, the 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 you know the critical statement and then my response, which is a reaction. And what I want is I want the time to let the emotion settle so that I can make a, a informed decision about how I'm going to respond. And so a lot of times I default to just not say anything or I need some time to think about that. Um, but inside, I'm taking a little inventory. I'm doing a little scan. Where am I feeling that in my body? And then also noticing what's going on in my head, which often there's a story happening. Oh, this is going to mean this, or this person you know, is feeling that. And I'm making stuff up. Whereas what if I can just stay with the pure sensation or the first thought as it arises, I'm much more likely to react in a way that I um, will then have to, you know, make amends for or fix or something. So, um, excuse me, but, uh, but yeah, so that's that pausing. And then eventually, if after the interaction is over, finding a way to start my day over so that I'm not carrying that all day long, but you know, you, it, it's with you, it's in you now. And, uh, um, but I think that the biggest thing that meditation taught me is that I don't have to make everything go away. And I don't have to hide. I'm tougher than I thought. And things will just pass if I just don't, add, you know, I don't add, like I don't stir it up. I don't add to the fuel. They will pass. So that's, those have been two of the big gifts of the practice. It's a great question, Elise. I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, no. Yeah. But that was a great tip. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes there's a kind of, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I have, you know, I, I, at this time I was planning to do, like you said, the blocking, you know, I have a block things that's supposed to be accomplishing when um, actually taking that time, even if it was just to feel the sensations um, is, is more important and it's going to make me more productive. So that ability to pivot is, is critical. And I love the way you framed it, restart your day. Cause that just has a nice, we could all often restart our day. Sometimes we get started on the, <laughs> the right, right note foot, whatever you want to call it. But then sometimes we need that and a cup of tea, a cup of coffee is a great way to do it or chakra tonic yeah. oh there you go that's what i should have said excellent yes chakra tonic that may be my new thing too god we're getting so many things that we can all use in our in our inner work and in our lives um i wonder if there i know you mentioned that you were giving a seminar on uh three practices or three ways you help people with you know maybe like that aren't meditators or um yeah, I would just love to hear, I just love hearing your practice tips and maybe, you know, which practice I'm thinking it's different today and maybe even tomorrow, or is there a certain practice in your life right now? I know that I, I just throw lots of questions, but let's start with, <laughs> is there a way you teach people, um, maybe beginners, you know, I know they're in your books, but um, I'm encouraging everyone to read Nita's book. She's a fabulous writer. And as you can see, she's just got a plethora of information 
Um, how do you just start with beginners like, and give them some structure and some tips? Well, it, it depends on where they're coming from. So usually I start by asking a lot of questions. And the first one is always, what's on your mind? Or where are you right now? What's 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 up top of mind right now? And then from that, um, it, it also depends on on who they are because I I work with um, athletes, I work with you know lawyers, I work with writers, I work with a bunch of people. So it depends on what the what their thing is. But um, um, but if somebody is new, let's say to meditation, I usually we usually do start with the breath because everyone breathes, and so they can't say, oh, I don't breathe, so I can't do that. Um, so you start with that and, and I start by asking them, just inviting them to notice where in the body they naturally feel the breath because some people are, you know, mouth breathers, chest breathers, deep abdomen breathers. It depends. So, so again, tailoring it to them, but, um, um, so that's probably like the, the tiniest place. If it's someone who's trying to get into some sort of movement. Again, I ask them questions about, well, what do you like? Uh, do you like being with people? Do you like to be alone? Do you like to be on a team? Do you like, you know, competition? And again, find out who that person is so we can, I can help them find their thing. And it's very similar with writing. What kind of books do you read? You know, what, what, what's the thing you love or, or what do you dream of writing? Is there a book that you've dreamed of writing or an article or an essay? So it's about finding, it's like meeting people where they are. Um, Cause I also, I also have worked with people who got several books published or have run tons of races. And um, so you just have to find them where they are. But, but the three things, let me say about that. We've actually touched on those. So for me, my three things are the movement is running. Um, the practice that is kind of inner is meditation. And then the other thing is writing, which it can be what a lot of people would call journaling. I call it writing practice the way I do it. It could be taking notes after you've come back from a workout and just recording, oh, my 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 left knee felt weird. And uh, I really like playing, you know, pickleball with Tom. Um, I I want um, Cheryl's unicorn hat, you know, <laughs> you know, anything like that. But just because you're there's something that happens when you record. Um, an event and then your assessment of it so that you can look back later, see where you've come from. But that processing, it's just a different way of processing. So for me, those are the three things. It's movement, meditation, and writing. And uh, and those, I, it's like a three-legged stool. I have to have all three of those for the stool to stay in. And I think I was missing the movement when I had the meditation and the writing for years, but I needed the movement for the, for the stool to really stand. Mm, beautiful I love that um yeah so and that and and so you got the the writing and the um meditation and then the movement like and it sounds like that's when things kind of took off um pulled it all together yeah yeah I love that and now you're you're really an inspiration to so many people uh, I know that you studied with uh, Natalie Goldberg, and I remember uh, getting her books. I was working at a psychic reader a long time ago, and they sent her books, and I reviewed them. Um, how did you meet her? And, and tell us a little bit about uh, working with Natalie Goldberg, and maybe tell us who she is, because not everybody knows who she is. Yeah, so she's a, a best-selling author. Her, the book that most people know her for is called Writing Down the Bones, 
or maybe Wild Mind, but she's actually written 15 books. Her most recent is about haiku. It's called Three Simple Lines, and it's an elegant book about her travels in Japan and the history of haiku. It's a beautiful book. But uh, but yeah, so one of the women who, um, oh, actually, no, the way it started was while I was still, I used to be an attorney long, long time ago, like three lifetimes ago, and I was practicing law, but we, um, my partner at the time, and I was pre-ed, drove uh, to Dayton about an hour away, and we went to this great bookstore called, bookstore called Books and Company, and I always went through the writing book, because I secretly really wanted to be a writer. I was doing a lot of writing as a lawyer, but I wanted to be a writer. And um, so I would always go to the, and I pulled off this book, Writing Down the Bones. I thought, oh, this is fascinating. So I read it, oh, you know, like a at least five or six years before I stopped practicing law. And, and I was actually doing her writing practice as a way to write legal briefs. So after I stopped practicing law, which is a whole story in itself, part of which is in the books, um, one of the women who joined our meditation group had actually gone to Taos and studied with Natalie. And I, I had didn't real. I mean, I hadn't. It was sort of pre. Was it, it? Was sort of like the edge of the beginning of the internet. So there wasn't. You couldn't just Google somebody, and she probably didn't have a website then or like that. Um, so I got ever so slightly obsessed because that's what I do. And I, um, um, I don't know. A couple of years later, I actually went to Taos and studied with her. Took one of her workshops at. They were week long workshops. There were like sixty people at Mabel Dodge Loan House, and I just fell in love. I fell in love with her. Um, not her as a person, because I, you know, you don't know somebody when you just take a class from them, but I um, uh, fell in love with the practice, with that reading aloud, the whole um, kind of, because she combines writing with Zen. She's a Zen practitioner, so she combines that meditation, and of course, I was a meditator, so it all just felt, felt really like a good fit, and uh, eventually, <clears throat> after I think I'd gone to two workshops, um, my husband was in transition with his job, and I was in transition with my situation, and so we sold everything we owned and moved to Taos to study. So I could stay with Natalie all the time. And I, we lived there for three years. And I was her assistant from then until like seven years later. So I was her assistant for about 10 years. And by assistant, I mean, I just would help her at the workshops, especially if somebody, she could see that I was a person who was pretty intuitive. And so um, if somebody was struggling, she'd send them to do some writing practice with me to talk about, you know, answer questions and things like that. And yeah, so I worked with her just a few times a year, but, you know, we um, became pretty close and we're still, I'm still in touch with her and she's a, I consider her a good friend and a great mentor, great mentor. Um, so yeah, and the writing practice, and, and again, it's a little different because it's writing as a practice. So you do these timed writings with no comment and you read aloud to another individual or a small group with no comment. So it's not about critique. Now, eventually you can, um, use that process to write longer works and then you get feedback and you know you have to learn to edit and things like that but in that initial raw stage it was perfect for me because I was so terrified of criticism and and didn't know what I was doing as a writer and so it was a great way to find my voice and figure out what my passions were and all of those kinds of things so yeah and then after about three years we realized that Taos really wasn't the right place for us and um and I had I had some, I just had the continuing mental health issues. And so I came back to what is home for me so I could be closer to family and back to the doctors that I knew and things like that. So we've been back here since, but yeah, it's been a, that was a crazy great adventure. I mean, you know, whose husband would, after you've been to Taos twice, he'd never been there. And, and um, he went with me once and 
and we sold, you know, he put the house on the market. And I think we thought the house would take longer to sell and it sold in like three days. So, <laughs> oops. But it was meant to be. And, and how interesting too, because um, I know there's timeline and it's on your books, but I just want to point out for everybody, it's kind of a synchronicity. You, it sounds like when you first heard of uh, Natalie, you, Natalie Goldberg, you didn't, you weren't a meditator and then you simultaneously became a meditator and, um, I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, but then yeah. when, you know, it all sort of like pieces are falling into place. And often that does happen. We do have to listen to the little quiet voice um, that's kind of urging us along. It sounds like you're doing a really good job of that. Um, is there any practice or anything that's really you want to leave with our uh, listeners, something that's working for you now, something that's really bright and fresh um, that we haven't think, discussed? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, for me, it's the doing the thing that I want to be doing that I'm not doing first thing before I get on social. Now, some people might not be able to do that because they have kids or they have, I mean, would require getting up extra early or if they have to go someplace to a job, you know, my job's right here in my house. So, um, uh, but finding that space before the rest of the world gets in, or for some people, maybe it's at night, but finding that very protected time where you're just doing that thing. And it, it was painful at first to not, open my computer and check email and, you know, hop on social media. That was, I was painful to, but having that document there. So it's staring at me first thing in the morning. Um, it's been great. It's been a real changer for me. So again, it's a structure and it's, uh, uh, so that's, I guess that's the tip is fi find your structure. And if it's not working, try something else just because, you know, Stephen King does it doesn't mean it's right for you. So do, do find the thing that works for you. We're back to that thing again. I'm a big thing person. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that um, Lauren Hill song. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> everything's a cue for a song. I know. <laughs> I I love it. It's been so wonderful to talk to you, and I love that you underline that practice because that's something that, like, oh, I'm swirling on that. Um, what am I gonna? Yeah, how am I gonna rearrange my day? <laughs> but before I get too distracted, um, uh, how can we find your book and where can we find your book and find you? Well, the, the best place to find all my books and anything about me and my newsletter, which I would love people to sign up for my newsletter, is on my website and it's nitasweeney.com. So it's just my name, N I T A S W E E N E Y.com. And uh, yeah, hop on the newsletter and that's that's really the best place. There's all kinds of places, but that's the one where you'll really get me directly. Keep it simple. I love it. Any final questions or comments, Karen? Oh, I mean, I've just been soaking it in and realizing that uh, I too have just been making excuses for not finding the things that I really want to do in life. And so... Uh, I'm going to have to read a few of your books to uh, re-encourage me, but I, I I think I'm on the right track now. Well, that's great. I, I encourage you to be really, really gentle with yourself. And remember, 60 seconds, 60 seconds of jogging. If it had said three minutes, nope, I wouldn't. 60 seconds. So that's, yeah. Like that. but I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing how that goes. And how wonderful. Your, yes. Your success. And thank you both. Thanks, Elise. Thanks, Karen. I always appreciate a chance to, you know, share. Um, I feel like I've had a success story and that I can inspire and that makes me so happy. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you for being with us. And to both of you, I'm wishing you a happy holiday season, however you choose to 
practice and observe and uh, let's all stay healthy for 2023. Talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye now.